we've been through a lot. <laughs> we've been looking at a good picture of where it is that God wants to take us in terms of uh, reflecting the kingdom of God as a sign and a foretaste here inside and outside to our community. So just be aware that we're looking at about 14 minutes uh, worth of uh, footage, but it's just the highlights, I think, of what it is that the kingdom of God looks like and how it is that I think that we need to proceed as we move forward as a church. Does that sound good? Please uh, throw that up for us, Em. That'd be great. We need to step back. Okay, we need to step back. We need to make sure that our bricks are all in line. We need to make sure that we're in the right track and making sure that as we do our mission and as we do all these things, that we know what's going on. The kingdom is a kingdom where joy is apparent and a new world is on offer that makes our kingdomless choices look like thistles next to a rose. So this is what Jesus is inviting people to. I see what's good and inherently good and I see actually what's worthless and actually isn't going to be helpful for my life if I pursue that. The idea of living in the kingdom of God is one where life turns from darkness into light, from desert to blossoming flower. We've been through a lot. <laughs> There's a lot in that. Um, and I hope it's a good picture of what it is that we've, we've been looking at and a good picture of where it is that God wants to take us in terms of uh, reflecting the kingdom of God as a sign and a foretaste here inside and outside to our community. Um, I'd love, uh, do you guys want to sing another couple of songs and then I'll get up and I'll, I'll unpack that a little bit more just to give us a bit more space to sit with all that. Thanks, team. Okay, we want to dance to Jesus' heart, right? And we want to seek his kingdom first. Let's stand up. <laughs> Thanks, team. So good to worship with the uh, with you guys in this way, uh, singing these songs together. So, if we can throw that first slide back up, the kingdom of God, the gospel of Jesus, all of these marks of God's kingdom. Effectively, I don't have time to go back into all of them, but I know that I'm feeling like I want to push a certain direction this morning, because I feel as a church we're just we're struggling to get it, we're struggling to get it. And I, I need to recap and, and, and I don't know how to say it. So I'm just going just gonna to work my way through however I can. Effectively, these seven marks of the kingdom, go back and have a listen online to each of these sermons. It's, a, it's been quite, it's been really good for me personally to work through all of this stuff. And particularly as we look at this idea as what are we doing as we move forward as a church, okay, with this idea of this context of you know, uncertainty, of, un, of fear, of external forces that are all against us, in a sense. Flick on to the next slide, Em, that'd be great. You know, in terms of the uncertainty, you know, we've got COVID. What is church going to look like when COVID comes through? Is it going to change how we meet? Is it going to change the way that we interact with each other? Am I going to be able to give uh, people side hugs anymore? Am I going to have to actually take some distance? I don't know what that's going to look like. But at the end of the day, I do know that God is in charge and God is with me. And so I'm going to keep fo focusing on actually doing church. And I want to do church with you guys. You know, when we look at Craig and Craig pulling out and being unable to be our pastor anymore, there's a lot of stuff that um, those that are visiting, 
you wouldn't have caught the picture of why he's in the situation that he's in, needing to actually pull out a pastoral ministry. And he's going, do you know what? With the changing face of church, is it actually appropriate to minister for him in the way that he was being ministering here? And he's working through that. And um, as I spoke with him the other night, it was really good to be able to talk to him about what does church look like and why do we do it? And I've got to keep coming back to this idea of kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and then everything else will make sense, right? We're facing uncertainty. What was it? June this year, the church had a future focus meeting. Something like that, June-ish. And I've got to tell you, I was sitting in the meeting and I'm like, I'm really struggling in this meeting to, dis- to discern with the other Christians, the other members that were sitting in the room, what is the direction for our church? Um, and two big words came up for that, and it was intergenerational and contemporary. And as I look at these words, intergenerational and contemporary, I see these words and I go, these words are actually polar opposites in what they mean, in that if I want to be intergenerational, I can't actually be intergenerational because if I take the young people with me, to show them this wonderful hymn that I've been sitting with and it's been so deep to me, they will never have experienced that hymn in that context, in that way, with all of the other multitude of voices singing with them that hymn in that way. And so intergenerational, it it doesn't quite work. And then you say, oh, let's do it contemporary. And that means that all um, all of the people have to be in the same space at the same time. So we'll take the young people and we'll include them, and we'll take the older people and we'll include them, and then it'll be contemporary, yes. But then, you know, it's distracting having kids at the front, and yet it's great having the kids at the front. Who thinks having kids at the front is great? Who thinks having kids at the front is distracting? Also me. So, you know, but it's a change. It's a challenge that we're facing. It's an uncertainty. What do we do with this intergenerational contemporary? You know, as I've come in, I wrote the board a letter. I said, hey, I think this, and I'm not sure we're on the right path with this. And then ironically, my solution as I come in and do short-term interim pastor here, I've made it intergenerational and contemporary. And, you know, to be honest, I think there's a lot of people that are frustrated in the church. I don't know if you know, I, I feel that. And so I want to speak it out. I want to say, hey, I know you're frustrated. It's okay. Let's look at who is in charge? And it's not me. It's got to be God, right? It's got to be God. Okay, let's keep moving. Fear. Fear. We've got fear because the board is opening up at 5th of February. Everything's going to change again. Okay? Hopefully we've got uh, a little bit of a taste of what we can achieve if we say, let's put some videos up. Let's do teaching online. Let's do something that's going to keep us going and connecting with each other in other ways and shapes and forms that might not necessarily mean church in this way. It doesn't mean the church is going to stop. We don't need to fall to fear in that way. Do we agree with that? Yeah, good. Okay, Uh, but church just isn't the same. No, it's not, but it's not the same as it was back in the beginning either. You know, I'm, I'm aware that there are tribes and there's disunity in our church. And I mentioned it in the very first sermon that I got up. I said, oh, we've got some people that come from Anglican bases here. We've got some people that come from Pentecostal bases here. We've got some people who are left-leaning. We've got some people who are right-leaning. Guess what? We're all in the same family. We're all in the same family. We're all searching to get this kingdom of God up off the ground. And we want to do it together. Does that sound good? Yeah? 
So let's stop with the sniping, please. Okay, what about the external forces? Jesus says that our, our fight isn't against flesh and blood. It's against the principalities and the powers. And I've got to tell you, I'm getting sniped major by, uh, by some people on the outside. I'm getting sniped uh, by principalities and powers that are at work in our church. And it's not good. I, I need you to stand with me and pray because we want this church to continue to thrive and grow because we're going to seek after the kingdom. Does that sound good? Good. Okay. So, I don't think I need to give you proof that this is all happening. But I need to let you know, and I'm, I'm thankful for Monica as she shared that thing about giving this morning. It's important to let you know, hey, just in case you haven't been aware, the church is actually down on its budget this month, this uh, quarter. Now, Miriam tells me my wife uh, is the auditor for the books and Leanne is the treasurer. And Leanne has told her, and so she has mentioned to me, something like that anyway. Um, hey, just to let you know, Damo, the budget's down. We're three months, the quarter really results. Now, is that surprising to me that the church is actually having trouble with people feeling like they want to give? It's not surprising at all. We're going through this stage of uncertainty. Of course, giving is going to drop, particularly with COVID. COVID's going to make another huge mess. What does that mean about actually how can we engage in our community? How can we step out beyond ourselves? The money that we put into the church, we don't want it just to be to maintain a building. We want to be using it out there to draw people in. The reason that I say this is because when we're looking at this idea of justice, right, as a mark of the kingdom of God, you say, look after the orphans, look after the widows, look after all of these things. And yet the government that we've put in place over the top of us, they're actually doing that for us. Social services, uh, the dole, all of these things are really great steps. But the problem is that the government can only go so far. And it's got this line that it has to stop at. This is what the government does, and then after that it's free. But hang on a second, what happens if the problem is all the way over here? Well, actually, this is the spot for where the church needs to step in. This is the spot for the church to be able to go, hey, this is a receptive space for the church to be able to go, actually, this is where government stops, and it's right for the government to stop there, but I see a need, and I'm going to fill that need. And this is where we come in as Christians. This is where we come in as individual families, being able to give to a family that doesn't have food this Christmas, to be able to give to a family that, you know, oh, maybe I don't have any family. Hey, come around for dinner. We'd love to have you for Christmas lunch. Yeah? This is that gap that the government can't look after, that actually the church needs to be receptive enough and reactive enough to be able to roll with this stuff, particularly with COVID coming in. This is our time to shine, church. This is our time to step up and be able to be what our community needs where the government can't go any further. Sounds good? Um, open up your Bibles. All of this has a parallel in Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41. I'll read it through. You can catch up with me. Um, and yeah, you'll need it in your, in your laps because I'm not going to be able to read the whole thing out as I go. I'll read it now. As we're looking for it, please stand. We're going to honour scripture today. 
Stand with us as I read this. Uh, we're going to go 1 to 10. The Helper of Israel. Be silent before me, you islands. Let the nations renew their strength. Let them come forward and speak. Let us meet together at the place of judgment. Who has stirred up one from the east, calling him in righteousness to his service? He hands nations over to him and subdues kings before him. He turns them to dust with his sword, to windblown chaff with his bow. He pursues them and moves them on unscathed by a path his feet have not travelled before. Who has done this and carried it through, calling forth generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, with the first of them, and I, with the last, I am he. The islands have seen it and fear. The ends of the earth tremble. They approach and come forward. They help each other and they say to their companions, be strong. Verse 7, the metal workers encourages the goldsmith and the one who smooths with the hammer spurs on the one who strikes the anvil. One says of the welding, it's good. The other nails down the idol so it will not topple. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, who I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the earth, from the ends of the earth. From its farthest corner I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Thank you. Please have a seat. Assyria is coming. If you've been tracking with us uh, in our sermons, we'll know that we're talking about a time when the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom were about to be wiped out by the Assyrian army that was uh, coming down to overtake them. A terrible time. Hezekiah, king and beyond. Please go back and have a listen to the sermons to catch up with a little bit of that context. But effectively what we're hearing here, verse 1, we've got people who are sniping each other. We've got people who are fighting, infighting about the best way forward. And verse 1 here says, Be silent before me, you islands. Be silent. You've got to actually shut up. Shut up. You've got to listen to what God wants. Calm your head. Take a step back. You ever had that problem with your kids? You ever had that problem with your kids? Kids are fighting one side of the house to the other. I don't have that problem. My kids are glorious. <laughs> Lexi, you don't have any problems with fighting with your sister, do you? Oh, you do. Well done for admitting it. Well done. Okay, but basically, have you ever gotten to that point as a parent where you're like, will you just be quiet? Here we're hearing Isaiah saying this to these people. Will you just stop? Take a step back. Clear your head so that as you go for your argument to move forward, actually it'll be not from a place of emotion, but it'll be a place of, okay, let's do this intelligently and smart. Yeah. All right, verse 2 and 3, calm down so that you can think. And then think about, hang on, who is it that's done this? Who is it that's brought this all about? It's not any one of you. It's not me. I didn't bring any of this about. Actually, we are exactly where God wants us to be at this point in time. In whatever way that means. Okay. Uh, verse 4. Who has done this and carried it through, calling forth the generations from the beginning? Assyria, impending doom on the two kingdoms. And here it is. Who's called it on? Actually, God's in charge of this. Yahweh has set this all in motion. 
Yahweh, the same God who breathed the stars and the universe into existence, the same God that breathed life into clay, the same one who will be here at the beginning, who was there at the beginning and who's going to be here at the end. The same God is the same God that is now. It was yesterday, it was last year before all of this COVID stuff happened. It was last year before, before Craig decided to step out. It was even before all of the stuff um, that's been happening in our, uh, in our church that's caused a lot of rift. God is still God, the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the last. And he says in verse 4, I am the Lord with the first of them and with the last. I am still God. I am he. So who's in control? God's in control. Where do you put your trust then? What does this mean? And it's like we've gone through this entire seven marks of the kingdom. Half of them say, do not fear, I am with you. Do not fear, I am with you. And still we are concerned, we still have these worried about the direction of the church. Do not fear, God is with us. And so as we look at verses 5 and 6, we go, actually, maybe we're nailing down idols here. Oh, is the gold, is the work that we're putting up, we put this work up, is it nice? Hang on a second, we just nail it down so that it doesn't fall over. This is the structure that I've put in place so that I can worship my God in this way. Hang on a second, is God still God? Yes. Does God need any defence? No. Do I need to do anything to stop God from being God? No, actually, God needs to be God. And anything else that I put up as I try and nail down, nail it down so that it stays firm is an idol. Church changes. Church changes. And that's okay. Change happens all the time. But what does God call us to do during change? Verse 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. And not just a God that's there and does whatever he needs to do, but it's actually a really personal God. At the end of that second half of verse 10 there, let me find it. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I was reading my daughter's Bible this week in our Advent space. And that verse translates, I'll be there holding your hand. I'll be holding your hand. So pretty. Such a great image. Um, Psalm 139 has that in there as well. This idea about um, being upheld by the righteous right hand. And so when we look forward, when we move forward now, we've got a members meeting coming up in January and um, the, uh, the wording came out in the newsletter this week that we have to decide on our next pastor. And I'm looking, I'm going, we've got everything we need in this place and you want to introduce more change. More change. Oh, can we just stop for a second? Yes, we need to talk about it. And so I want to talk at our members' meeting about what the direction that we want to move forward for our churches. And so... Let's do that. We're going to meet in, uh, in January, on January 30th. And, you know, and then you go, oh, but why doesn't Damo just be the pastor? No, actually, 
I've, I've done my time. I've gone through, I've done church planning, and I'm here, and I'm doing this now with you guys because I'm called to it. I'm not called because of the money. I need to let you know. I'm not here because of the money. I'm not here because of the money. But I do know that I want to be 20 hours a week because actually God has called me to steward my family as well. And he's called me to steward all the other gifts that I've been given. And as I do that, I want to let that come and steward the church as well. But at the same time, I'm looking at I'm going, do we need a pastor who's going to be the 40-hour-a-week guy, the guy that everybody dumps on? Here's the problem that I have. Here's the problem I have. I'm thinking back to 1 Samuel 8. I'm thinking, give us a king. Give us a king, says the, uh, the people just after the time of the judges. They say to Samuel, Samuel, we want a king. No. Samuel says, you don't need a king. What you need is to talk to God, and you need to trust God more with, with your problems. And so what's, what's the job of a pastor? The pastor is to sit with you, to be able to help you through these spaces. But inevitably, in the end, it's for you guys to be able to place your trust deeper into Jesus, deeper into God, and acknowledge that he's the only one that can help you sort out your work. You've got a part to play. The church has got a small part to play. This is the place for community as we're encouraging one another onwards. And it's, it's for encouraging us to get out there and keep, keep encouraging other people towards getting to know Jesus. And so, yeah, yeah, I'm qualified. Yeah, I've got, I've got my Bachelor of Ministry. I did it part-time over eight years. It was great for me to be able to do that and it was really good for me to learn who I am as a person. And I'd encourage any one of you guys, if you want to do deeper theological study, get into it. So good. But the other part of it is that I'm now 40 years old. I'm 40. I'm getting close to 40. I'm 38. And I'm looking at I'm going, I'm hearing these guys saying... You know, I'd like for somebody who has a little bit more maturity in the faith to be able to, uh, to disciple me. And I'm going, hang on a second. I'm looking at a bunch of people here. Some of you guys have been walking with Jesus for 50 years. I've, I've been walking with Jesus since I was 18. What's that? 20 years. Okay. So effectively, that means that what are we looking for? We're looking for a pastor that's going to come in and be, what, 50 years? He'll need at least 60 years to be able to keep walking with you guys better. So, well, 60, that's an extra 40 years. So you're looking for a pastor who's 80 years old. <laughs> my goodness. Okay, so you, get, you, you sense my frustration in amongst this as we're, we're journeying as a church, okay? We've got everything we need to deal with the problem in-house, okay? Let's trust in God. That's my recommendation to the church. I still think we need to talk about it. I'm still wanting to talk to the members and hear all of these ideas about what you want for the future for the church. Okay. At the end of the day, though, Matthew 6.33, I mentioned it earlier in the day. Matthew 6.33, this is the part where just after the Beatitudes in the Bible, just after he says, hey, the sparrows in the field, uh, grasses and all the rest of that is clothed and provided for by God's, it just happens. God just provides. And so we get into this next space of, okay, well, what does that mean? God says, do not worry. Seek first. Say it out loud. Seek first what? The kingdom of God. And then everything else will be added to you. If you're worried about the fact that your money's not coming in your bank account, seek first God's kingdom. Hang on, as I live in God's kingdom, as I live rightly, as I live justly, as I live restoring community, as I live in peace and I live in joy, does that then mean uh, that money will magically fill my bank account? No, I'm walking the path of the kingdom of God. 
I am doing what God needs for me to do. I'm doing what I can be to be the best me that I can be. And that best me actually means that I can work. Okay, I'm going to go work and I'm going to go earn money and then I won't have to worry about money anymore. We need to work in amongst what the vision of the kingdom of God is in that and how to respond to that. Does this all make sense so far? Are you all still with me? I'm sorry for the visitors if you're in me and you're going, man, this has nothing to do with me. I'm hoping that you're pulling something out here uh, that's going to be uh, good for your life and good for uh, the situation, the circumstances that you're in. Okay, so next uh, slide, change. Okay, so yes, there's change. You know, we're going to keep pushing this intergenerational contemporary thing for some reason. I don't know. It just, it has to be that in my mind. And yet at the same time, I'm looking at, I'm going, what does that mean in terms of how we run kids' church? What does that mean in terms of uh, the outworking of what our worship should look like? What does, as, as we meet, as we gather in community, you know, we want to keep looking at that place. And it is going to continue to change to meet the context. Yes, it'll change because of COVID. But we've got to keep looking at what the practical outworking of the kingdom looks like. And so that means that what we do inside will change to meet these seven marks of the kingdom. You know, if there's something in here as we do church that doesn't align with restoring community, then we've got to cut it out. If there's something in here that doesn't align with bringing peace, then we've got to cut it out. If there's something in here that doesn't bring joy or reflects that joy to people, then we've got to stop it because this is what the kingdom is. The kingdom is all of these seven marks. And so you go, oh, Damo, I just want some more practical examples of what that might look like because you keep saying, yeah, it's for in here, but it's also for out there. Well, what does living the kingdom look like when you're out there? You know, oh, me being me. Okay, let's use me as an example. Um, three years ago, I was uh, playing my guitar up at Goodfellas with my daughter Lorena playing on the violin. It was glorious. That was me trying on a part of who I am and doing it in a group. Now... Do I actually want to be that? No. What do I want to be? I want to be part of a community that does that. And so I'm like, hang on a second, I've got a community who plays music every week. Maybe I need to invite this community that plays every week here up to Goodfellas where I would play guitar with them and we'd put, a, we'd put on five or six songs or we'd do a, a full set, whatever. And then at the end of that set... We'd say to the people who are listening at Goodfellas, at the pizza restaurant up the top of the hill, we'd say to them, oh yeah, by the way, we're Christians, and if you, want, if you like what you hear today, we're doing it again on Sunday. Come to church. And it's a perfect outworking of me being me, as I go and I do the things that God has gifted me with, and then I invite and I include community and restore community in that space, and then from there I can invite people in. Now what does that look like for the craft group? What does that look like for you personally? What's your giftings? What's your shape? It's good. I don't need to go into any of these other lines here. I don't, you know, but I want to go back to Egypt, that idea of, but I like how it was. Or, um, you know, with the Israelites complaining within the first three days of uh, passing through the Red Sea. Or, um, you know, that idea of give us a king. Or uh, two weeks ago I preached where I shared about a shovel that I owned. It was the best shovel that I had uh, up in Perth. And that shovel was great for digging into the soft sand up in Perth. But down here in Margaret River, the soil is clay. 
That shovel that I bought is never going to serve me here. That shovel that I bought isn't the best shovel for this situation. What served me in the past is not going to serve me in the future. What served me back then, I need something similar to be able to slice through that clay, to be able to do something, to do the job. And so I want us to encourage each other to continue to seek first God's kingdom, to be able to move into these new places that God would have for us. Let's move on to that next slide, trusting and seeking. Psalm 139 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your parent presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Now, don't be afraid of change. God hasn't changed. God will still be God at the end of the change. Let's throw up that last slide. And so my encouragement to us this morning as we cap off this idea of the kingdom of God, as we cap off what is it the, the gospel of Margaret River Baptist Church, what I would like to see happen. I would like to see us seek first his kingdom. And I'm going to let all the rest of the problems, they're going to sort themselves out if I just keep focusing on that. Yeah? Everyone say amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, we trust in you for the future. Lord, we trust that you will hold us by our right hand, with your right hand. We trust you, Lord. Our heart is for you. We love you. And Lord, we know that you love us. Thank you for your presence with us as we face this change, as we face this uncertainty, as we face these fears. Lord, we trust in you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.